The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The highway has never been more dangerous. This world is a strange one. Being a trucker, you spend a lot of time away from family, away from society, you're alone, so chances are you've either seen some crazy stuff or you've done some pretty desperate things. Trucking is a rough job, so let's see how creepy it can get. Enjoy these allegedly true trucker scary stories. But first, I need two more scary stories from Japan. If you want to be a part of that video, be sure to go to deathbyfear.com soon and send us your true Japanese horror stories soon. Now, don't forget to honk if someone has a knife at your throat. Number one, Crowbar, submitted by Travis N. Back in 1995, I drove an 18-wheeler for a living for a short period of time. While I only traveled the highways for a little over a year, I had the pleasure, most of the time, of meeting some very nice and interesting fellow truckers. I don't recall where I was when the story was relayed to me, but I remember it was very cold and late as I pulled into a small truck stop somewhere in the Midwest. I applied the rig's safety brakes and left her running while I ducked inside for a shower and a bite to eat. So after a feeling of greasy yet hot meal, I lounged back sipping some of my hot coffee, counting the miles in my head and trying to do the math on my ETA at my drop site the following day. Satisfied I could afford the time to rest a while, I lounged languidly in the booth sipping my coffee and barely listening to the light sound of some music flowing through the small quiet truck stop interrupted periodically by a noise from the kitchen or the waitress's chatter with another customer. I began to doze sitting up, the warm air and heavy meal taking its toll after the long day's drive. As my eyelids fought gravity, a voice addressed me. Hey there. My eyes shot open to see a large burly trucker in coveralls. He was wearing an old hat that had seen so much use, its logo was now unreadable. He had a thick beard and kind eyes. His face had been weathered perhaps by years of being on the road. A true veteran. Oh, uh, hello. Sorry, I was, I began as he held up a patient hand, indicating he understood, and his face transferred the emotion of being sorry to have disturbed me. No, no, I understand. But if you don't mind some company, I haven't had a proper conversation with a live person in three days. He said it politely, but also his body language and demeanor seemed to leave me an out, if I wasn't up for it. I was, so I motioned for him to settle in as I roused myself from a slumped position, a little happy myself to have a conversation that wasn't on a CB radio. He maneuvered his bulk somewhat awkwardly into the small booth, chuckling about the situation. 
I myself was no lean trim athlete, but this guy was big. Not weightlifter big, but a throwback to the 80s wrestler big. In fact, he kind of reminded me of Hillbilly Jim, the wrestler back in the day. In fact, he introduced himself as Jim and shook my hand. As we made small talk, I mostly listened, occasionally telling him where I was from, where I was headed, who I drove for, the usual trucker small talk. He told me he was an owner operator, his own boss, and he drove a flatbed hauling tractor parts at the moment. Then he began to ask me how I was holding up, if I liked my job, real friendly conversation. Jim was honest, and what you saw is what you got. He seemed very enthused to have someone to talk to. Before we both knew it, an hour had flown by. He started to make a gesture to leave, voicing that he didn't want to overstay his welcome, to which I waved away the comment. Actually, Jim, I'm in no hurry, and you aren't bothering me at all. I was kind of hoping I'd meet someone eventually that I could talk shop with and get an idea of what to expect out there. Jim smiled, and he seemed genuinely happy to hang out a little longer. He chuckled and mentioned, I'm kinda glad you said that, cause I'm not sure I can get out of this booth at the moment. I laughed at him and took his meaning. It was warm and cozy despite the tight fit. He finished his coffee and casually lifted his mug to the waitress, along with the patient smile. He leaned forward as much as his girth would allow. He snorted and made himself comfortable, then asked, you want to hear a true story, buddy? He paused as the waitress filled his cup. I shook my head politely as she looked towards me. As soon as the waitress was satisfied that we were content, she moved on. Jim leaned in on his elbows, hovering his thick gray beard over his steaming mug. You gotta be careful out there, friend, he began. You see, a fellow like you driving for one of those big companies has too many rules. I raised an eyebrow. How so? I mean, yes, he was right, of course. There were way too many rules, most with safety in mind, but I was curious where he was going with this. I had heard of truckers carrying illegal weights on back roads, trying to avoid scales like up in Idaho, where an owner-operator of one's own rig could get paid by the pound. So naturally, there were those that loaded the crap out of their trailers, then rolled on heavy, hoping the DOT didn't pull them over and shut them down with a hefty fine. Then the profit was gone. But Jim wasn't talking about illegal weights or cheating logbooks for extended driving purposes. He paused and looked down as if deciding how to begin. Well, about 10 years ago, I was hauling box trailers like you are now. I was in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Again, Jim paused, but not for effect. I could tell he was reliving some deep stuff, and I suddenly felt like I was violating his privacy. I felt awkward, but it passed as Jim continued. So, he began sipping again at the steaming caffeine. I'm getting tired, and it's about one or two in the morning, so I know it's about time to pull her over and get some shut-eye. Jim went on as I felt my drowsiness dimming. Well, as fate would have it, I see a sign for a Flying J truck stop. So I pull in and back her up and leave her idle. It was cold as a moose's tits out there and I wasn't coming back to a freezing truck. He chuckled as we both looked outside at the freezing parking lot. Smiling, I nodded all too well how much I understood that 
So I gathered up my stuff and rolled my fat self out of the truck, looking forward to a shower and some chow. He paused briefly. Now, I got my bag slung over my shoulder, and I lower myself to the asphalt and head on in. After locking her up, still running, of course, I nodded for him to continue. Like I said earlier, there's laws and there's rules being that we drive federal motor carriers. I sensed where Jim was going with this. Jim had been armed. A lot of owner-operators carry weapons, some being guns, despite the federal law prohibiting it. However, many company drivers like myself seldom carried anything, as we could lose our jobs just for having a gun in the vehicle, and that's just for starters. Jim grunts as he shifts in the booth. I eat, I shower, and you know the routine. It's time to hit the rack. I cross the tarmac-sized parking lot heading back to my truck. He trails off, looking into his half-empty coffee mug. Man, he exclaims in a whisper. I can remember that cold air on my wet head. Hell, even with my hat on, I couldn't get back home to the truck fast enough. I had my keys ready, and I unlocked the door and popped the hatch. Mm, that warm air hit me, and I thought nothing could feel that welcoming. And I was right. Jim looks right into my eyes. I grab the trail balancing my bag on my shoulder and hike a foot up to the first runner. And then it happens. Jim makes a comic book-like noise or sound effect. Thwack, right in the freaking ankle. I mean instant chilling pain. I immediately drop, or more or less crumple to the ground, stunned from the blow and the fall. My ankle was on fire, and if you've ever taken a shot from anything in that freezing cold, it hurts. It hurts bad. He wasn't kidding, and now I was hooked. Jim continues with his voice now trembling just slightly. I admired his ability to contain himself as he continues as what he tells me horrifies me. I'm trying to pick myself back up and I look up to see this figure, this shadow crawling out from under my rig. At first, I couldn't tell what I was looking at and my ankle was numb. It was on fire at the same time. I simply couldn't get up. I just couldn't. I was all bundled up, overweight, and now crippled after being struck, apparently, and falling off of my running trail. Holy hell, I muttered, my guts nodding in anticipation. Hell is right, Jim chided. So now I can make some sense out of what just happened, but there ain't no time, as this scrawny, wasted-looking fellow with a crowbar in his hand is scuttling out from under my rig, right towards me. Now I don't know what this guy's intentions were, Rob me? Kill me? Both? Still my rig. All of the above. He choked back some of the dark memory. This guy is crawling out from under my truck, and he's almost cleared the running board, which will give him a much better position of opportunity concerning my potential fate. Then I saw the look in his eyes. It was a look of madness. You know, when you can tell someone is committed to whatever they're gonna do, no matter what. Yeah, this guy with his wet, stringy hair looked desperate and savage at the same time. I've no doubt he was one or both. Just Christ, I sighed. What did you do, Jim? I asked, fully enthralled in his tale. I was sitting across from a living Jim, and I already assumed he survived the encounter. But how? 
Well, he went on, I pulled out my 357 Magnum from my shower bag. Like I said, laws and rules are for some. I shot him twice in the chest. I was terrified, Jim admitted. Freaking terrified, and in some serious shock. Well, I hit him both times, and needless to say, the encounter was over, just like that. It seemed like it lasted forever, and at the same time, just a few seconds. Hell, it don't really matter how long it took, but I finished what he had started. Jim seemed sad. He seemed lost for a second. I sympathized with him and empathized as well. He hated it. He wasn't bragging and I was right. Jim's eyes watered a second or two, but being the tough trucker he was, he dried up just that quick. He shook his head. I just can't imagine how desperate or, or what this guy was thinking, but in the end it didn't matter. He was gone. Jim went on to tell me the Magnum gunshots alerted the truck stop and the police were called promptly, as well as an ambulance for Jim. The crowbar guy didn't need one. Yep, I spent three days in the hospital with my life idling out there in some truck stop with two bullet holes in her. He laughed a little to ease the tension. No, they, they towed the bastard, took good care of her for me until I could get around again. But man, that's your home. And, and well, I killed that stupid guy. I, I killed that stupid, stupid bastard. Jim trailed off with a quizzical look on his face as he quickly reflected back to that night. The table lurched a little as Jim awkwardly shuffled to his feet, throwing a few ones on the table. Ah, be careful out there, kid. Always be aware of your surroundings. All of them, he stressed. He tipped his hat at me, smiled, and as he lumbered off, I noticed for the first time he had a slight limp in his right leg. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Number 2. The Unmarked Semi Submitted by Hannah R. This happened about a decade ago, but I remember it very vividly. I was 16 years old, and it was May 20th of 2008. My mom and two friends and I were on our way over the Cascade Mountain Range to see our favorite band in Seattle. I live in the dead center of Washington State, about three hours from Seattle, for those of you who live in the South or other states that don't have mountain passes, basically to get to towns that are on the other side of the mountains, you have to drive up and through the mountains on a highway with an extremely steep incline. And yep, you guessed it, people always speed. They pass when there are no passing lanes, and a lot of fatal car accidents happen on this specific pass we were traveling. There is always a chance something bad is going to happen when driving it. So we started on our journey in the afternoon, and we weren't even to the top of the pass yet, when in the rear view mirror behind us in our lane, my mom spots a few cars going off into the ditches and on the side of the road. They were lucky it wasn't a sheer drop off at that point of the road. It's only two lane traffic. So yeah, whatever was forcing these cars off the road was definitely gaining on us fast. My friends and I were looking back to see what craziness was happening and we spot it. We relay the information back to my mom who needs to really focus on driving right about now, and she can't see what's going on behind her. It's a massive semi-truck. It has a huge cabin, light blue, and completely blacked out windows. I mean, you could literally not even see a silhouette from anyone inside. The semi is about three cars behind us now. It is literally hauling up this very steep incline, that's pretty much not even possible for semi-trucks to do that. They usually put on their hazards and slow down, then get to the right of this steep, steep hill. As he was gaining on us, he was forcing more and more cars behind us off of the road. He just didn't care. Whoever this was was not caring about the safety of anyone else, and we were now very, very scared for our lives. My mom has a Subaru Forester, so we were outrunning him pretty good. Then he was right behind us. So my mom pulled over to the right and slowed down as much as she could, just to let him pass. As he passed, we wanted to take down his plate number and company so that we could call in a very deserved complaint. I kid you not, not only the trailer of the truck was completely blank, but the doors of the cabin were completely blank as well. They didn't even have any plates and all that was visible was a giant American flag painted on the front of the grill. That's some scary stuff just remembering it right now. Thankfully, he didn't force us off the road. The other cars were staying really far back from him, but my mom was in shock and really ticked off, so we sped up to pass him and get away from him for good. We didn't want to witness or be behind him when he caused a massive wreck. So pretty fast, we got up next to the guy to pass him. At this point, it had turned into two lanes, so it was safe and legal to pass. We were almost clear of him, but one of my dumb friends literally just flipped him off. 
That's a genius move, isn't it? Especially when doing it to someone who literally just doesn't care. So we passed him, barely. Then he starts speeding up again to do who knows what to us. So my mom just floors it. At this point, we were close to the top of the pass, which levels off and then starts to descend down the other side of the mountain. There's always a pull-off area to the right, so she just floored it into the dirt area as close to the edge of the woods as she could, then slammed on the brakes, all at the same time telling us to get out of the car as fast as possible and to run into the trees. This was serious. The car wasn't even fully stopped yet as we flung those doors open. We left them open and ran into the woods. We ran about 30 yards in, then finally stopped and gathered ourselves. We were so scared to go back to the car because what if he had stopped too? Who knows what's happening at our vehicle? But we had somewhere to be and the clock was ticking. So after a few minutes, we went back and thankfully there was no sign of him and regular traffic was on the road, which was such a sight to see considering we could have been pancakes just a few seconds before. After we did get back on the road, only a few minutes later, we passed three different cars all of which looked like their rear ends had been crushed. We then called 911. We told them what happened and where the scene was. Then we described the semi-truck to them, and hopefully they would catch this psycho that didn't have any business being behind the wheel of something so big. To this day, we really don't know who was driving that thing or what they had in their trailer, but it couldn't have been anything good. By the look of things, about how they just didn't care about anyone else, that they just wanted to get to their destination faster than possible. I'm sure they were hauling something illegal or just something scary. Who knows, but it still gives me chills. That blacked out cabin with the American flag. We survived and made it to the concert and I got attacked in the mosh pit. It was a great night altogether. In the end, all I want to say is to be safe on the roads. I suggest you hold back your road rage and not pick fights with other vehicles. It's difficult sometimes, but you just never know the scary people and unknown things out there. Who knows when you'll flip off the wrong person, only to have them blindside you in your car out of nowhere. Number three, Trucker Encounter, submitted by Nick. This incident happened only a few months ago. The exact date slips my mind. We had been on a road trip to my old hometown. We had my childhood home up for rent and were going to evict the current renters for ignorance. And sadly, we lived about 46 hours away, clear across the state. Thankfully, me and my mother had actually been around the state many times from delivering animals for money to just trying to find a new state to live in, from California to Oklahoma. The exact place this happened had to be somewhere in Nebraska. It was late at dusk. After driving for days and being so close to our destination, it seemed like a breath of fresh air to see a pilot gas station. Bright yellow lights made the place look like a little inn, especially with the mass of big rigs that seemed to make their home for the night there. Now, when we got there, I probably looked a bit peculiar. Bicolored hair and totally greasy looking. The immense heat was a horrible drag, but the dimming night cooled it to a comfortable temperature. Going into the rather big establishment, I beelined for the restroom so I could fix myself up. 
I ran into a big hunk of a driver exiting the open shower rooms. I didn't pay much mind to him. At the time, I was just too concerned with myself. I may have noticed that he took a second look at me if I hadn't been so distracted, but I would later find out after the incident. After caring for myself and getting a drink, I went outside to cool off. We had parked off to the very edge of the big rigs, but I wanted to stretch my legs out, so I decided to walk around the fully shut down and supposedly sleeping big rigs. The majority of the running ones were parked in the back, which I made sure to stay away from, as to not interrupt or be in the way. My mother was content doing her scratch-offs in the truck, so I decided to take my time, knowing it would be a while before we absolutely needed to go. The night air had finally cooled down, and I was lounging down with my Gatorade bottle when that same big rig driver walked by, to which I gave a casual wave, something we do to everyone, even strangers. I didn't feel creeped out then, just a tad bit of anxiety, since I had just run into the guy, but again, I ignored him. It wasn't long before I decided to go back to the truck. I moved my way past through the big rigs to reach the truck quicker. As I passed through the first two rows of trucks, I suddenly heard a gruff cough just to see the same guy somewhat blocking my path. I slowed down and I felt a tad eerie as how much of a coincidence would it have to be to see the same guy where I'm at three times in a row. Right as I'm about to walk past him, the guy grabs my arm. I stiffened up and turned to him, obviously nervous and a bit irritated. I remember saying, excuse me, what are you doing? I've personally heard enough trucker murderer stories to know to be freaked out at that point. So assuming I was in danger, I made sure to tell him of my mother waiting and such. But this mountain of a man seemed to not be phased whatsoever. He smelled of oil and sweat. I jerked my arm away and moved back, hearing him speak now. Aw, oh, now come on. Don't you wanna see the inside of my rig? I shook my head no and went to turn around and pull away, only to be grabbed again. And at this point, I was getting terrified and pissed. Now that I look back on it, screaming would have been a great option, but I was so angry and horrified it slipped my mind entirely. I turned to him and said in my most sarcastic voice, I'm sure your rig is beautiful, but I need to get back. Before I could finish, he interrupted me. Now, Missy, please come take a ride with me. I could show you some pretty neat things. He began to pull on me, moving towards the rig next to us. If I had watched him earlier, I would have totally bypassed this aisle, but I didn't. Again, a dumb decision. I struggled from his grasp when finally, he tried to get a better grip by letting go and grabbing me again, but I thankfully slipped far enough away in a jog. I took a deep breath and I ran toward the truck. Back in the truck, I pondered the incident as a flood of rigs went by. I assumed he was in one of them. Considering what he'd just done, he was probably making his getaway, watching me from his cab. I ended up not telling my mother until after we made it home. The moral of the story here is to pay attention to those who surround you. Don't walk around alone with no protection in the middle of nowhere at some gas station. Number four, how did she survive? Submitted by 
Jessica. This is a story told to me by my uncle. His name is Stacy, actually. I love listening to stories about each state and seeing pictures from places I've always wanted to go. He always seems to have a story of creepy people or drunks he's encountered, but this one chills me in a special way. We live in Tennessee. One day he had to take a load of produce to Illinois. He left around 2 a.m. because where he needed to pick up his trailer was rather far away and he wanted to get a head start. Around six in the morning, he picked up his load and headed off. Fast forward about three hours and he's in the middle of Kentucky. He pulled off in a truck stop to get some dinner because he had to take a break later so he could go to sleep and rest up a bit. He ordered a hamburger and sat down to enjoy. Then some girl walks up to him dressed in a ragged dress. My uncle politely asks if he could help her and she just said, I put his body in the river. It's in trash bags. Right away, this freaks my uncle out. He looks away from her and tries to ignore what she just said, trying to finish his food. But she sat next to him and stares at him. When he finishes, he asks the server for directions to the nearest gas station. She told him where the next one was, and when he goes to head out, that same girl was waiting for him by his truck. He asked her to please move so that he could get inside, and she replied, no, don't you want to see the bodies? They're just across the hill in the river. They've been there for about a week. Why doesn't anyone want to see them? They have the same horror on their faces as when I slit their throats. Now my uncle just pushes her out of the way then crawled into his truck and locked the doors. He figured it was probably a prank and decides to go to the gas station for a bottle of water. He stops off at a 7-Eleven and got a six pack of water, but that same girl was still outside his truck, which shouldn't have been possible in that time frame. He was ready to finish and go home, so he tells the girl to get the hell out of the way, to just leave him alone. He says this time he noticed her eyes. They were red, and the next moment he blinked, the girl was gone. My uncle got into his truck, drove to the shoulder of the road and just parked it there. He felt like he needed to be out of the way if he was going to get some rest, and after seeing something like that, it took him a long time to finally get some sleep. He had probably been resting for two hours, when he heard his truck door violently try to be opened. He opened the curtains only to see the same girl holding a knife, a bloody knife. She was saying, I told you the bodies are real and you're about to be one of them. Making sure the doors were still locked, my uncle started the truck and left right away. He didn't stop driving until he arrived in Illinois and luckily once there, Nothing else happened to him. On the way home, he had to go back through Kentucky and he would see her on the side of the road every so often. But the moment he crossed back into Tennessee, the weirdness would just stop. He has told me and the rest of my family to never go to Kentucky. He says, every time I go, I see her. It's like some curse that lives and breathes in that hellhole of a state. None of us dared to cross the Kentucky line after hearing this story, 
and I don't think we ever will. I know it sounds weird, and it's nothing personal against Kentuckians, but please be careful if you're going to Kentucky. It seems the demon picks its victims, and they're almost always truckers. And number five, Trucker's Hell, submitted by Orion. This story takes place at a summer camp that I'd go to as a kid. This is actually a story from one of the camper's dads, not my own. The story begins with my friend's dad leaving from a small town in Colorado with his long haul to Idaho. He's a truck driver. He arrives at his first stop like always. He eats some McDonald's like he always does and fills up his truck. He leaves Colorado and prays he'll have a good trip. He enters Wyoming at around 12 that day. There, the winds are very intense and he's suddenly frightened by something he hears. It sounds like someone is screaming. He looks around and sees nothing and he gets back in his truck to continue driving. He drives for another half an hour or so, but he hears the same screaming voice. On the road ahead, as he passes by, he sees a woman covered in blood screaming, screaming something along the lines of, you killed me, and points right at him with blood dripping from her eyes. He looks at the clock, it's 12.45. He's in his truck and just saying to himself that he's just tired, that he needs to get some rest. At the next truck stop, he gets out to go in and grab something to drink, but as soon as he opens the door, the wind slams it shut, and right there before him is the same woman as before. He tries to climb back in the truck and start it, but now it's stalling, and he's 100% convinced that he's a dead man, and right then the clock hit 1 a.m. The truck roars back to life, and the woman is nowhere to be seen. He hauls himself out of there. The rest of his trip to and from his destination goes fine. When he gets back to Colorado, he says he quits his job to his boss. The job was just too stressful and kept him away from the people he loved. He gets married to his girlfriend at the time a year later, and they begin to have a family together. Well, a few years after he quit, his old boss calls one day, telling him that one of their men who was driving the same road he drove right before quitting, had just been killed. They say that someone ripped his chest open with a hunting knife, writing, you killed me, on the windshield of his truck. My friend's dad was 24 when this happened, and he told his son to never stay out past midnight because that's when the demons come out, and they're always looking for a victim. Now, trucking is an important and honorable career. My respect goes out to all of you truckers listening now. Be careful out there. Keep your eyes open for the dangerous and the unexplained, for the creepy and psychotic. And don't lose it when you're out there on the road for too long. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your Japanese scary stories soon at deathbyfear.com. Also, a huge thanks goes out to all my newest patrons for helping support this channel. They are Colby Wilson, Heidi L, and Ziv Shalom. Thank you all so much for doing what you can to support us. 
You're keeping YouTube creepy by keeping my campfire burning.